This program is brought to you by PersonalLifeMedia.com. I'm Terry Stuck, host of Beauty Now, a weekly podcast on all things beauty. We do lasers, lifts, lipo, hair loss, vaginal rejuvenation, nips, tucks, nutrition, and more. We have the top experts. And today we have Ariane de Bonboinson. I hope I'm saying that right. She's the author of The First 30 Days, Your Guide to Any Change. And I truly believe that beauty is from the inside out, too. And Ariane's going to help us with change. And what would we like to change about ourselves? And what do we want to love about ourselves? We are all going to get our fair share of changes that life throws at us, and then some of us are going to go ahead and initiate change, and some of us are going to wait for life to sort of knock us over the head and and show us in the direction of change that we should have been heading for. In the book, what I went looking for are what are the principles that will make someone become a change optimist, someone who will have a lot less stressful time. People who are good at change are not alone. They have a change support team. The biggest illusion that we have is that we're the only one going through this change. No one else has ever gone through it or felt as bad. Personally, every bad mistake I've ever made or every place where I've been able to really learn a substantial lesson in my life has come from when I haven't trusted my intuition. And I've usually given my power to someone else or something else, you know, whether it's hiring the wrong people, whether it's getting engaged to someone I shouldn't get engaged to and I eventually broke it off. But intuitively, I always knew. We have to learn to trust ourselves more. That is, There is a part of ourselves that knows, that's connected to something bigger, you know, whatever that place is. Taking action is definitely one of the principles of what makes someone change. Taking action in the direction of where you want to go. A lot of people don't know what they want to change. So they go ahead, they make a New Year's resolution or some sort of goal, but they cannot really back it up with a plan because they don't know, well, I'm happy to get started. I have all the motivation, all the excitement, all the discipline, but I don't quite know what to do. And that's really where it, it's important to spend some time getting some research done, getting a plan, getting some, you know, sense of like achievable goals and deadlines. Welcome, Marianne. Thank you, Tara. It's great to be on the show. I hope I pronounced your name right. You did very good. You're in the top 10%. Okay. okay. Yeah. That's always good. Yes. Well, tell us, how did you come to write this book about the first 30 days? You know, I went through my own set of changes. I used to be in the corporate world um, here in New York City, big sort of prestigious job, and made a decision to leave that and really went looking for what was my purpose, what was my passion, how I could contribute. And while I was doing that, I basically realized that everyone I was meeting was either going through a change they were struggling with, maybe it was a divorce, health diagnosis, they'd been fired, or they were secretly really wanting to make a change. Might be they wanted to lose weight or they wanted to change careers, or they were helping someone else through a change. And I thought, isn't it interesting that change is the number one constant in life, guaranteed to happen, and yet we hate it, we resist it, we're bad at it, And I was like, is there a way to make change easier for people? And what I found was that there are ways that people who are good at change, there are things they do, think, say, feel, 
And that's basically what the book is about. I always ask the question to experts, how do you motivate somebody to do what they're recommending to do? So when you're saying change, you're right. It's so hard to do. What's your advice? You know, the number one thing I would say to change is your view of change. So you are actually much better at change than you've ever been told. Every single person I've ever met has what I call a change resume. And your change resume is much more important than your professional resume. You are a a walking representation of all the changes you've ever gotten through, whether you've gotten married, gotten divorced, broken up, whether you've graduated, moved, bought a home, gotten out of debt, quit smoking, maybe lost a loved one, lost a parent. You're much better at change. And yet we look at our lives and when a change hits us today, we forget how many other changes we've actually gotten through. And what I encourage people to do is actually get a piece of paper out and write down all the changes they've already made. You have something that is what I call the change muscle, which is you are made for change. You are the very best of who you are, the most beautiful part of you, talking about beauty, comes out during times of change and transition. The core of the human spirit comes out during change. Well, sometimes we're forced to change. I mean, things happen to you. So what's the difference between things that happen to you, things that you've had to learn because you had to, and things that you actually really want to change in your life but are afraid to? It's a very good question. That You know, we are all going to get our fair share of changes that life throws at us, and then some of us are going to go ahead and initiate change, and some of us are going to wait for life to sort of knock us over the head and, and show us in the direction of change that we should have been heading for. I think every one of us, when let's say it's a change that life throws at us, you know, in the book, what I went looking for are what are the principles that will make someone become a change optimist, someone who will have a lot less stressful time. So, you know, one of the principles, for example, is people who are good at change, whether it's a change they want to initiate, maybe like losing weight, or it's a change that maybe something has happened in their life. People who are good at change are not alone. They have a change support team. The biggest illusion that we have is that we're the only one going through this change. No one else has ever gone through it or felt as bad. So that's one of the principles, for example. If you are alone currently trying to initiate a change or face a change, you must realize that there are other people that can, that can help that have been through there before. Another principle, people who are good at change accept the change. So if it's a divorce, if it's a health diagnosis, if it's a job loss, the quicker you accept the change, that's when there's a moment of relief and the resistance goes away. The quicker you accept that you need to make a change, we all have what I call an inner microphone that goes off every morning and it lets us know if we need to lose weight, if we need to change jobs, if we need to change relationships, and we do our best every morning to turn that microphone off. And really what we need to do is start turning it on and we'll start seeing some of those changes that we want to have happen in our life when we we actually turn it on, we'll have much more of an alignment. So when you're talking about all these things, I still want to go back to some things happen to you and let's just say we wake up today and I want to quit smoking. That's that's something, a bad habit, a bad habit that you need to change. How can your philosophy help somebody to get the motivation? 
So uh, someone who would want to quit smoking, the most important thing to connect them with is the reason why they want to quit smoking. The reason why is what gets people to either stick with a change or give up on a change. So, for example, if a woman has smoked for 10 years and she finds out she's pregnant, she has now a strong enough reason why she needs to quit. If a woman is getting married in three months, she has a strong enough reason why she wants to get in shape. Very often what's missing with someone who's quitting smoking is it's a should, it would be nice, it's a maybe, we're going to try. I think what gets in the way of people changes are their excuses. We, For example, with quitting smoking, people will immediately go to their excuse or their story about quitting smoking. It's going to be hard. It's going to take time. Uh, I'm probably going to fail. I'm probably going to put on weight. Um, you know, you're a combination of all the excuses and the stories that get in the way. And what you need to realize, whether it's quitting smoking or any other changes, you yourself need to change. The action of quitting smoking is incredibly easy. It's the emotions that are hard. And so the philosophy, for example, in the book and also on the website, first30days.com, we actually do have a first 30 days of quitting smoking. It's really not the action of how to stop quitting smoking. It's really all the identity shifts, the belief shifts, the things that get in the way when you, when you want to go back there and then, and then some people decide that, you know, they don't. Well, that's actually really, really helpful because that's true. I mean, you either you stop drinking because you get pregnant or, or something like that, so then you have a reason, but then you need to keep that reason yeah. for you because that's something that you want in your life. Absolutely. You know, one of the things that I see with people who are good at change is they realize that at all moments you are either being an example for someone or a warning for someone. When people truly get that, you know, if you are a smoker, you are a walking warning for people. And regardless of what you might think, people look at you as a warning. This is something that should not be happening or should not be doing. And I don't mind, mean to sound judgmental. If anything, I'm, I would like people to realize how much of a chance they have to be an inspiration to other people on how to quit smoking, on how to go through a divorce with grace, on how to handle a job loss with optimism. That's really, really good advice because I love that, walking or warning, because also it's people that are out at the bars getting drunk and being a fool, that would be a warning, and then that would be something that you'd want to change about yourself if that person was you, because we've all been there, well, most of us. (laughs) Sure, we all have. We're all human. And the other thing is compulsive eating. That's another, you know, area where I think it's very hard for people because it's comfort. It is. You know, I've, I've seen thousands of people on our site. You know, one of the most popular changes is certainly first three days of losing weight, getting fit, compulsive eating, overcoming addictive behaviors. And we watch thousands of people who, you know, are dealing with the emotions that are attached to that. A lot of the times people are like, tell me what to do, tell me what to do. And getting over any of these things on the action side could not be more simple. It's more, well, what have you made this mean? When did it start? What, you know, who would you be without the story of, you know, I'm an addictive, you know, I'm addicted to X or I'm this sort of person or this is my nature? Who would you be without that story? Like, when is it time to drop the story of who you are and especially who you're not? 
Well, and, and a perfect example of somebody who changes and doesn't really care, I think what people think is Madonna. People like that, that maybe that she's not the kind of person we all want to be, but she is an amazing person in the sense that she lives her life and does what she wants, but she also is very successful at it. And she's also had her struggles, and she's, you know, one of the most important things I tell people, especially women, is you have full permission to be human. You know, one of the things I talk about in the book are all the most challenging emotions that come up during change. I call them the change demons. And they come up for everyone, including people who are really good at change. And they are primarily fear, doubt, impatience. We want the change to happen very quickly. Blame. There's a lot of blame energy, not only to ourselves. There's a lot of blame energy in the country right now. Shame. Especially for women, we feel ashamed that we, yet again we failed. And then there's guilt. A lot of us feel guilty when a change happens or, you know, we feel very personally sort of involved or attacked. And the reality is these, these emotions will show up during change. Some of them are going to have a bigger grip on you than others. And it's becoming aware is the first step to change. You know, awareness of, wow, I'm really doing the blame thing right now already takes it out of your blind spot where you can see it and sort of start detaching from it and start replacing it with a better emotion and feeling. The blame thing is is really important, and I think that's something that we all can look at is when you hear somebody just always being a victim. And it's, it's true that they could be a victim, but it's just changing the way that you look at it. So I totally love that advice. That's great. You know, I was... Uh, I was spending some time a couple of nights ago with quite a famous gentleman who I can't mention, but I was talking to him about change, of course, and I was saying, you know, what's the best change you've ever made? What's the hardest change you've ever gotten through? Which are two great questions for everyone to ask themselves because they'll realize, you know, who they, who they are and what they've already been through. And just asking him about his philosophy of life, and two of the things he said, I actually wrote about them on my blog, was one, you must remove the word fair and unfair from your vocabulary. Your life will be very different because when you start looking at, you know, I live in a friendly universe or I live in an unfriendly universe. I'm lucky or I'm unlucky. Um, things are fair or things are unfair. Your life will be radically, radically different. Um, you know, and the other thing he said was when you realize that, you know, this is your life, it's your decisions and your changes, people feel the freedom to start making some changes. They feel free to leave the relationship that doesn't work. They feel free to marry the person that their parents wouldn't approve of. They feel free to, you know, adopt a child as opposed to have one themselves. They feel free to change careers or go back to school. So it's really giving yourself permission for you to start making those choices. Which sometimes is very, very hard. You get stuck in a rut and you keep, you know, arguing with yourself, kind of like what you're saying about the microphone. So how do you turn that microphone off when you need to? And actually, I read in your book, which I, I think this is part of it, is trying to reconcile your heart with your mind. It is. You know, those two things are constantly trying to battle for our attention. And, you know, another one of the principles that make people really good at any type of change is for them to come back to a place on the inside that doesn't change. You know, change very often happens on the outside. Something in your life has changed, and we tend to look outside of ourselves for answers. You know, an expert or an article or a friend, or and the last person we turn to is ourselves for those answers. And you are by far your, the best 
expert guru doctor that you can possibly imagine, and we never put ourselves in the picture. And sort of creating a space to really connect in with, you know, what I call your intuition, and whatever your intuition is is connected to, whether it's, you know, your higher self or God, the divine source, whatever name we want to put on it, there is a part of you that knows. There's a part of you that knows who's right for you. There's a part of you that knows what job is right for you. There's a part of you that knows. And that's your heart space. That, you know, your heart and your intuition are constantly trying to put you on track. Um, You know, I interviewed an expert and said to him, you know, why is it that we're all so unhappy? Why is it that we, we just are not more connected to the joy in the heart space? And he said, it's very simple. He's like, it's one word, thinking. Thinking creates unhappiness and sort of giving so much power to the mind. You know, because I heard, we all tend to overthink things. We do. I heard Wayne Dyer speak last night, you know, just extraordinary man, written 30, 30 books. And, you know... He, and he also gave you a very nice um, recommendation on the back of your book I read. I love is. him. Yep, he endorsed the book. Yes, he and did. He, he said, you know, um, do not believe everything you think. Like, we think just because we think it, it's right. Do not True, believe you can bring that to you. But you know what? We need to thank our sponsors right now. We need to take a little break with Ariane. The first 30 days, it, this is really, really good information for all of us if we all want to change. We're going to be right back. This is Terry Struck with Beauty Now. Listen to Living Dialogues, thought leaders in transforming ourselves and our global community with Duncan Campbell, visionary conversationalist, bringing you the best in new paradigm thinking on personallifemedia.com. Terry Struck, welcome back to Beauty Now. We're just talking to the author of The First 30 Days, Ariane de Bonvoisin. No, I said that too quick. Bonvoisin. Bonvoisin, you got it's it. It's a very, very sexy name, and I, it's very hard to pronounce. But she did write this great book, The First 30 Days, and we were just talking the first half hour about intuition. And so I think intuition is really, really something we all doubt. What do you think, Ariane? You know, personally, every bad mistake I've ever made or every place where I've been able to really learn a substantial lesson in my life has come from when I haven't trusted my intuition. And I've usually given my power to someone else or something else. Um, You know, whether it's hiring the wrong people, whether it's getting engaged to someone I shouldn't get engaged to and I eventually broke it off. But intuitively, I always knew. And it's really... We have to learn to trust ourselves more. That is, there is a part of ourselves that knows, that's connected to something bigger, you know, whatever that place is. And it's not being afraid of creating some silence and some quiet time and hanging out with ourselves and allowing some of that stuff to come up. Most of the times we don't trust our intuition because sometimes it's going to take work and our intuition will let us know that the person we're sleeping next to is not the right person for us. And that involves making some change and it involves some sort of consequence. And because of that, we tend to go, I'd rather not listen to the intuition and keep going with this. 
for. I'd rather not sort of follow this as my truth and find some reason why it can still be acceptable in my life. And that's true. And five years later, you're saying, I'm still doing the definition of insanity is doing the same things over and over again and expecting a different result. Or then what might happen is, you know, your intuition's been telling you this isn't the job that you want or it isn't the relationship you want or or it isn't the city that you want. And then you're going to act surprised when the job's going to change or the relationship's going to be over. When life has been on your side for years trying to get your attention. For years, life is on your side. Well, the one thing I say, too, to my friend is my mom just passed away. And one thing that she would always say is, oh, I can't do that. I have the house. Or I can't do that. I have this. And and she actually had, you know, the resources and opportunities to do so many things. And so now I'll say to my girlfriends, do you want to just go to Hawaii, spur the moment? And she'll say to me, I have the house under construction. And I'm like, that will be there. You know, you, you have to take these opportunities, and this is what I love about your book, is that you're helping people who haven't had that experience to see what happens in life, haven't had a loss, to actually act on it. Yeah. You know, my, my biggest hope for the book was having interviewed over 2,000 people, and some people who their change was getting married, others it was having a baby, others it was going getting through, you know, the loss of a loved one in 9-11, accidents, health diagnosis, really all types of changes, men, women, all ages. I was like, there must be a way for us as a human race to get better at change when we are guaranteed that it's going to happen to us. And the most exciting discovery for me was there really are a few things, not dozens and dozens of things to do that make someone really good at change. Someone who's good at change has a completely different set of questions and vocabulary and language. That was really interesting to me. You know, some people who are good at change, there's some words and vocabulary that never enter their mind. Somebody who's good at change will ask the question, okay, what can I learn from this? What can I do? Who can help? What hasn't changed? Where do they start? Where where does somebody that really needs help start? You know, and that's a good question. Where do they start? They look for, you know, either a person or a place that, you know, they will feel that they're not alone. I think our, our really our biggest weakness is trying to traverse change alone. I think any change we've made, we can always point to someone who is there for us. So this, And sometimes it's not even someone you know. Some of the hardest changes, someone brand new comes into your life. They're like a gift that shows up, and it creates a very intense connection. I look at our site. We have people who are helping each other, you know, through some crazy changes, especially with what's going on in the world right now. They've never met, you know. So sometimes the connection happens between two people where you feel someone else can see that you can change even before you think you can change. And your website, which we are going to link to ours, personallifemedia.com, we're going to link Ariane's website. Her website is like Oprah. I love it. And you also did have an article in the Oprah magazine, which is so great. Congratulations. You know, and that was just a, a blessing. I feel that, you know, I'd obviously, you know, put that out there as an intention. And I find, you know, when you do something that matters and you want to create meaning and you, you know, I think power moves through those who serve. I think I read that somewhere and I love that quote. Well, and also Deepak Chopra gave you a recommendation on the on the back of your cover, one of my very, very favorite inspirational men. Yeah. And your book is very inspirational and it is about power, mind, and body. And that's why I wanted to have you on the show. It's about beauty from the inside out. It is beauty from the inside out. It's about aligning, 
yourself on the inside with your your outer world. It's about you know radiating who you are. It's about not connecting into the fear, the blame. It's about showing optimism. It's about knowing you're connected to other people. That's really you know my my mission was really to you know not only inform people. I think people are changed by inspiration more than they're changed by information. We have all the information on the world on how to quit smoking. We have all the information on the world on how to lose weight. And yet what really gets people to change is more when they feel inspired. Right, and and your book's very inspiring. And it has a lot of good information about how you can take action. Let's talk about taking action. So taking action is definitely one of the principles of what makes someone change. You know, it's taking action in the direction of where you want to go. A lot of people don't know what they want to change. So they go ahead, they make a New Year's resolution or some sort of goal, but they cannot really back it up with a plan because they don't know, well, I'm happy to get started. I have all the motivation, all the excitement, all the discipline, but I don't quite know what to do. And that's really where it, it's important to spend some time getting some research done, getting a plan, getting some, you know, sense of, like, achievable goals and deadlines. One of the things I say to people, especially if they want to keep going with the change and they want to stay started, is that we all overestimate how much change and how much action we're going to get done in 30 days. And then we stop. And we all underestimate how much change we can actually make in three months, six months, nine months. If you knew how different your life could be in three months, six months, nine months, you would keep going with your change right now. But we have such a you know, high standard for we must have changed and we must have taken all this action within one or two or three weeks and we've got to, like, extend that timeline. Like, you're not going anywhere. You're going to be around in three or six months. And the changes and actions that you can take in a a bit of a longer time frame are so important. Another action that I say is, is just critical for anyone who wants to make a change. It could be starting a business. It could be, you know, having a family. Or it could be, you know, handling the health diagnosis, a parent, something. Is You must, must, must take care of your health. It is the number one go-to place. When you're going through change, you need energy, you need endurance, you need the ability to process all these emotions that are going through your body. If you're full of fear or full of angst and doubt, if you're not moving your body and if you're not staying healthy, you are walking around as an explosion of emotions. And, the and more you just th- mentioned fear, and fear is something that I think is the biggest inhibitor to change, and we all have it. So how do we get past the fear? How do we, you know, turn off that little voice saying, well, if you do that, this is going to happen to you and it won't be any different, and just the little voices in your head that, you know, keep you from changing. Yep. And that's fear. I'm very aware of those voices. They still exist. Um, You know, every successful person still has a lot of fear. So it's not about removing the fear. It's about acting with the fear. It's about putting the fear in the passenger seat and you driving the car. And it's about identifying it. It's, It's not about ignoring it. Most of the time, the fear just wants to be acknowledged A lot of the times, you know, in the book, I talk about eight ways really to move through fear. You know, a couple of them are really ask yourself, is this fear your fear? Or is it society's fear? Is it your family's fear? Like, when did this fear have such a grip over you? Um, Whose fear is it? That would be one. You know, another one would be, well, who would I be without this fear? If this fear wasn't present, if I didn't have this fear, you know, if, it, if I wasn't giving so much power and strength to this fear, 
Um, who do I know who has gotten over this fear and has done what it is that I want to do or create or change? But it's really becoming familiar with it as opposed to hoping it's going to disappear and go away. It, it doesn't go away. It's really acting with it. Do you think fear is, is actually judgment, too, do, fear of what other people think? You know, I think it's a good question. I think our biggest fears as human beings are a fear of not being loved, a fear of not being good enough, a fear of not fitting in, a fear of judgment. And, you know, when all of those sort of start taking a grip on you, they will have such a big influence on what you do try and then what you don't try. And I think moving through and knowing that, you know, whether it's public speaking, the one fear people have, you know, why is it such a fear? Because of the shame, <laughs> the shame that might come or judgment that might come or as opposed to, you know, I used to have a fear of public speaking. I talk about it in my book. But when I shifted it to what can I teach, what can I give, how can I serve, what can I leave the audience with, how can I change one person who's listening to me, suddenly it's not about me anymore. You know, it, it doesn't, it's not about how people are going to view me. It, it turns the energy to what can I give. How can and it's I about sharing your gifts, yeah. which you do very well. And it, we all have them. We all have them. And boy, does this world need us all to share our gifts more than our fears. So where did you learn all of this? Where did you become so evolved? You know, I think my whole life has been preparing me for this. I grew up in six countries. Change has sort of been part of my DNA right from the start. I've had seven jobs before the age of 30, far too many relationships. I've been fat. I've been thin, fat, thin. I've had money. I've lost money. And I've just sort of realized that change, to me, is the most important skill. And I thank my parents for throwing me into it in the deep end. And I would encourage any parents who are listening to this to really teach their kids about change because it's a gift you will give them. And so many parents protect their kids from change. Nothing, nothing can change. And then we're surprised that as adults, we're just not very good at it. You know, ever since the age of 15, 16, I've, I picked up, you know, books and autobiographies and everything from self-help to spirituality. And I've just gone looking for answers. But ultimately, you return to a place inside yourself, which is home. And it's not on the outside. And I will read anyone's book, and I, and I love the wisdom, but ultimately we've got to realize how strong we all are, how powerful we are, and how much we're just remembering who we are. Well, that's really good advice. And unfortunately, we're running out of time. We're going to have to have you back because there's so much more that we want to say. So we're going to have Ariane back for round two very soon. And if you'd like to see and read Ariane's book, please go to personallifemedia.com. We're going to give you the links. You can buy her book, The First 30 Days to Change. And there's so many good things in this book. You're going to have to get it. I really think that you're going to be on the Oprah show very soon, right after the Beauty Now show. Thank you, Terry. It was a I pleasure. It's true. It's true. So thank you again. And if anybody would like transcripts for today's show, please go to personallifemedia.com. You can get transcripts. Email me to eri at personallifemedia.com. Tell me what you think. And we just want to thank you again because your book is great and you have great recommendations on the back from Deepak Chopra and Dr. Wayne Dyer and many more. Thanks, Ariane. Thank you, Terry. I love your show. Saw you shopping at the North Star Mall Hardly recognize you at all It wasn't until I heard you say hello I 
realized you were a girl I know. You look completely different than you did in 91. A total transformation. Come on, admit it, you had a little work done. Had a little work done, holy cow. It don't matter, wow, look at you now. How'd you like to get together for some fun? I kinda like it since you had a little work done. And I pretended that you didn't exist You were a cute thing but you couldn't be The trophy girl I wanted hanging with me You've gone from plain white bread To a honey bun I think I'd like to have a taste now Cause you're delicious since you had a little work done Had a little work done, holy smoke I noticed you, a damn near choke Think that we should get together for some fun I think I want you now, you had a little work done Had a little work done, had a little work done Had a little work done Had a little work done, had a little work done All around the town In your red convertible With the top down I heard the beauty is only skin deep They call me shallow Cause you're looking mighty sweet I never fantasized before That you would be the one But now you're in my night and day dream You're sure amazing since you had a little work done Had a little work done Holy cow It don't matter Wow, look at you now How'd you like to get for some fun I kinda like you since you had a little work done Had a little, had a little work done Had a little work done, had a little work done Had a little, had a little work done Had a little work done, had a little work done Had a little, had a little work done Had a little work done, had a little work done Had a little, had a little work done Find more great shows like this on personallifemedia.com.